Good morning once again. Um, if you have a Bible with you, uh, it's always a good idea at the Rock Church to have a Bible. Uh, whether you have one of what I like to call the Luddite versions, you know, like the old the printed versions, which are awesome, and or something on your phone or a tablet would be great. We are going to be in Romans chapter 12 again this week. So open there and put your finger there. We'll be looking around at some other scripture as well. We've been in a three-week series. Um, uh, this is the last message in a series called Disciple, uh, Be One, Make One. And uh, so for those of you who are visiting, uh, we have all of our uh, messages online via iTunes podcasts and also YouTube channel. Um, we as a church, we, uh, we're going to get into it a little bit today as, as to what our mission and our vision is as a church here in Squamish after being planted 14 years ago. And so we wanted to focus on, and we have been for the last couple of weeks, what, what it means to be a disciple, like what it actually means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's actually been coming out of a series that we had just before that, which we were in like 12 weeks in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and the fruit of the Spirit, right? Which is love, joy, peace, patience, and on and on it goes. And we'll actually see that again here today in Romans chapter 12, which is really amazing. But coming out of the last message in that, uh, which was a conclusion, wrapping it all together, one that was titled The Trellis and the Vine, um, we, we came to this, this point where we were like, okay, hold on. Uh, the, the church is pictured as a vineyard, right? Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and the whole point is we are to go and bear much fruit. But out of that came this question, and it can be confusing for all of us, trust me, uh, and that is, is, well, okay, what does Jesus mean by that? Does he mean we're just to bear much love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth? Yes. But he means more than that, doesn't he? We, we, we learned in that series that it's really about the fruit of the Spirit being born and produced in us and also through us. How? By making disciples who make disciples. And so we bear much fruit that way as well. So last Sunday, our focus was on chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it was titled, Be One what it means it looks like to actually be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And uh, that was important for us to look at that first because unless we know who we are, what our true identity is in Christ as disciples, it's uh, pretty difficult to actually go and make one. Amen? <laughs> and, and so we got to go there first. We have to go there, and we did last week. So let me read the whole passage, verses 1 through 13, one more time, and then I'll pray, and we're going to dive in this morning, okay? Paul, writing to the church in Rome and through the Holy Spirit to us here today, beginning in verse 1, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And now our verses for today. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. One body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. 
If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, oh Lord, thank you so much for this day. Lord, we have much to be thankful for. Every one of us here today. Um, Mostly and completely because of you. And who you are and what you have done for us. Lord, we are also thankful um, in this country to be Canadians, to be part of Canada. And, and Lord, we know we have visitors who, who love to come and visit Canada, and we, we're happy to be able to share our home, our, our land, our country with visitors as well. And so, Lord, we're all really thankful for our homes and for our native lands, and we pray that you would bless our, our countries, our leaders And we just thank you. We thank you today that we get to set aside time on a beautiful sunny morning and uh, come and worship you. Sing praises to your name. Disciple our children. Disciple one another. And hear from you, Holy Spirit, through your word. So I pray that you would speak today. I pray that you would take the words that you've given to me and make much of yourself, make much of Jesus through these words. And I pray these things in your worthy name, Jesus. Amen. So, as we begin today, suffice to say a couple of little things about last Sunday and about the first message, and it came down to this. The key that I think we were hoping to get across, I was last week, is that the first two verses, really about being one, is about identity. It's about us coming to the realization of who we actually are as Christians, and so I pointed out to you last week that, yes, you know, we, we, we would identify, someone of us would identify, hopefully, if people asked us, you know, like, what's your faith? You'd say, well, I'm Christian. Yeah, I'm part of, quote, Christianity, right? And, and, and yet, what we also saw last week is that in the early days of the church, that's not how they were known at all. In, in fact, they were known as the people of the way. I am the way, the truth, and life. They were the people of the way of Jesus. But they didn't even call themselves that. Others called them that. And by, I think it's Acts 11, where they're actually called Christians for the first time, it's actually a slur. Does that happen at all today? (laughs) But that's what it was. Oh, you Christians, those Christians, they're trying to live that way, this holy and righteous life. And so we saw that very much as our identity, and that's how they saw it. They would have said to other people, like, who are you? And they would have identified themselves, well, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we were all challenged, and I hope last week encouraged. Part of my job, preacher's job, is to exhort, rebuke, teach, right? And I hope you were encouraged last week to see ourselves and frankly define ourselves as the way we are identified by Christ, as his disciple. So I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, I declare to you today. I'm a follower of the God-man who died on the cross for my sins and who, based on what he has done, has made me a child of God forever, I owe him a lot, don't you? We all do, right? So here's the question that I asked kind of at the end of last week. How'd it go for you this week? 
right? How many times were you involved in a relationship or some meeting someone for the first time or someone's asking, yeah, by the way, wait, uh, like, tell me a little bit about yourself. Did you start off with, well, hey, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Raise your hand. No? Okay. Oh, yeah? Okay, good, Yeshua. That's great. Uh, okay. I understand. I didn't have the opportunity this week, but I'm hoping next week. How about you? Right? I want to encourage you that, listen, we always talk about what we do, right? Well, you know, like, of course, for me, it's, it leads right away into it, right? What do you do? Well, I'm a pastor, preacher. There you go, right? But when I was in my business life, I would be, well, you know, I'm a marketing guy. I'm this, I'm that, or whatever. I do this, I do that. We all do that. But we also identify ourselves by the things that we love, right? I'm a, here we go, some of you in the room, a climber. Go figure. It's Squamish, right? I'm a foodie. I'm whatever. And so I said this again last week or in the last couple of weeks. It's, you know, you do know how to disciple people. You all do. You're doing it every day. I'm doing it every day. And you are being discipled by others every day. It's just not necessarily in Christ, right? How did you become whatever it is that you love to do? Because someone shared it with you. They discipled you in it. And you went, show me how it's done. And now you don't fall. We're all being discipled. So it's about identity. And so to help us see that this is truly who we are, I encourage us then to focus being one first of all. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want to show it to you this way this week. It's first this. It's first in the life of the Christian being a disciple before you and I can even remotely, I mean, you can by accident, but remotely make disciples who make disciples. You have to be, I have to be a disciple of Christ vertically every day. That's where the relationship has to start. I have to go to him every morning where? To his word. He speaks here, by the way. The Holy Spirit can, yes, illuminate our minds and speak to us too, but it comes from here. It comes from the word of God. So we go into it. We pray before we go into it. We say, Lord, show me something more about yourself today. Not about, oh, more about me or about my life or how I'm going to manage this meeting or this whatever I'm doing today. No, show me you. I want to know more of you because I want to follow you today. I really do want to follow you today. And so that, that's what Jesus called all of his early disciples with, right? We know that. He always said, he pointed to uh, Peter and James and all, all the young guys, and he went, you, follow me, follow me. Drop your nets, follow me. What did they do? They dropped their nets and they followed him. But it's interesting. It's interesting. Not only did he say and ask them to call them to do that, but, but he also did something else besides that. He said this in Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30. He said this, take my yoke, upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you, you, we all know these verses or we should, right? They've been quoted a lot. You read them, very encouraging, right? But what is Jesus saying? He's saying, be discipled by me. Put my yoke on you in the morning. Let's go together into this life and into this world let me walk with you, and quite frankly, let me sometimes tug this way and have you go that way instead of this way. Right? And that's the relationship that he wants to have with you. He wants us to be discipled by him. And you know what? That's what we need. Uh, I found it really interesting that last uh, Sunday after we left you, uh, Janice and I joined three other couples for our last session in something called Freedom Sessions, um, we started taking it, the, the group of us did, eight of us, uh, because, well, you know, we want, we're all 
members of the Rock Church for a long time. We've all been in leadership-type roles in the church. And so we wanted to, you know, check out the course for ourselves to see whether or not it's something we want to launch next fall and do as part of the church because it's a discipleship course, yes? It's for people who need freedom from, you know, addictions and things like that, but it's not just that. It's far more than that. It really is. But also we decided to take it because, you know what? Maybe, maybe we still need fixing. <laughs> maybe we still need, you know, freedom from certain things. Oh, my gosh. I got to tell you, it was super challenging super ch- and super good. Super good. Freedom. There are things in our lives that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to mention my age, but I'm older than most of you in the room. I've been a Christian for 40-plus years, and I, I got to tell you, like, I learned so much. And I realized there's still things in my life, go figure, that I don't have freedom from yet. I don't. And I need freedom from them. So it was fantastic. But we go to this, and we're super encouraged. And here's the thing. At the end of the last session, 20, we're given this little card at the back of the book that you're encouraged to cut out. Remember that? So I can see some of your faces here. And, and we're told to cut it out. And what you can do is put it inside your Bibles, because, you know, of course, every morning you're going to open your Bible, right? And you could just read it. And it would be super encouraging for you. And, or you could put it in your wallet, you know, and take it with you. And if you're having a real tough day, you could open and read it. And here's, I, I got to put some of these things on screen for you. Because it, it's, the idea was this. Okay, your identity, you're a disciple. But also, this is what this sheet says. This is who we are in God's eyes, according to the scripture. It first says this. I'll put a few verses and highlights on screen for you. It first says this. I am loved and wanted, and accepted. Do you know that? If you're in Christ today, you are loved, wanted, and accepted. In a few verses, there's many more that we got. John 1.12 tells us, I'm a child of God by his choice. That's what it tells us in, in, in the first chapter of John, is that by choice, God chose us before the foundation of the world, and because of what the work of Jesus has done, we have been given the right to become children of God. Secondly, God personally knit me together in my mother's womb, He wanted me. This is why we believe in the sanctity of life, right? Many other passages of Scripture that teach that. But you were wanted by God. He wanted you to be born, and he wants you to be his child as well. I am a child of God, and he delights in me. Man, I tell you, when we went through that earlier in Freedom Sessions, and I'm thinking, what? You mean every day, even when I I blow it, he delights in me? You mean he's not looking down on me, waiting to... No. No, not at all. He delights in me, delights in you. Secondly, I am forgiven. Now, these are all I am's because you're supposed to be quoting these to yourself, right? I am forgiven. I am a new creation of Christ. My past will not be held against me. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no what? Condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's done. It's all a big done. It's beautiful. I am a saint, holy and blameless in his sight. Hold hold on again. Really, really? Yes, yes. I am forgiven. These are beautiful things about who you and I are. Lastly, I am declared righteous by God, 2 Corinthians. I am important. Oh, really? Okay. I I remember, that's what it says in the booklet. Okay, I don't know if they're right, but well, okay, but look it. I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. So I hope to leave, Janice, and I hope to leave a little bit of inheritance to our children. You know, it it won't be a gazillion dollars, but it'll be a little bit, but... You're a co-heir with Christ. Do you know what that means? Do we really know how rich we are in Christ? I am his workmanship, created to do good works. God works in me to will and to act according to his purposes. I'm important to him. 
I really am. You are too. Lastly, I am competent. <laughs> okay. No. Okay, again, this was a hard one for me to really to accept. I'm just being honest with you. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Oh, how many times has someone said that to me when I'm whining and complaining? You know, I, oh, but Glenn, you can. Really, you can, okay? But it's true. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. How's that? How's that? Is that not encouraging? Right? Your identity, my identity is I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then this is how God sees me? It's awesome. So I wanted to highlight that for you this morning for encouragement, yes, about your true identity in Christ as children of God, that we will desire daily to live in it and, frankly, to truly own our new identity. But also because of what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 3. Let's have a look at what he says. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself (laughs) more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So you'll remember from last week that uh, this this is interesting, right? You'll remember from last week that I made the point that verses 1 and 2, the word you there is singular. So Paul's talking to you, 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 me. It's, it's personal. He's, he's calling all of us to make our bodies living sacrifices every day for Jesus Christ. It's, it's personal. He's now switching in this verse to the plural. So who is he speaking to? All of us. <laughs> he's speaking to us collectively as the church. When we come together and as the church here this morning, but also universally. So whereas first we know that we are individually disciples, that is our identity as a result of hearing Jesus' call to follow him. And we have, this is from that we have what? We have meaning. I mean, Jesus has, has called us to be these disciples, to be these people who believe these things about ourselves. That gives us meaning in our lives, does it not? gives me more meaning in my life than any job or career, any status, any position, any CV that I've ever had. It gives me real meaning in my life to know that I'm a child of God and, 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 and that there's that as well in my life. It's really fantastic. Again, we, we, we are all being discipled, as I said earlier, and, and discipling others, but there's more. There's more in this life that Jesus calls people to follow him and more to the meaning or more beyond meaning that comes from Jesus. He also gives you and I purpose. It's one, it's one thing to know why you're here. It's one thing to know why we're here and why we're born again and why we are now children of God and have this identity as disciples. But it's critically important that we understand that we have purpose in life that goes beyond any other career objective or any other thing that you might think is really important to have in your life. Jesus oftentimes, and again, we've been over this, called people to follow him, right? To follow him, to follow him, right? But he also said this in Matthew 14, and he said to them, follow me, look at these words, and I will, hello? Uh, Yeah, follow me, there we go. I asked for the clicker today because there's so many crazy screens going on, I didn't want to confuse our people back there. Follow me, and I will what? Make you. I will make you into fishers of men. Well, how's he going to do that? Well, (laughs) follow me, be discipled by me, and now I'm going to give you a purpose. 
here's the purpose of your life, to go and tell men and women about me. Catch some fish. Catch some fish. It's a beautiful picture. And that's why, of course, that's where we get our mission from, right? And that you also see in the Great Commission that Jesus has given to us as the church. We see that in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, right? Where he said, go therefore and what? Make, same Greek word. Make disciples. And we like to say, who make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So together then, be putting those two together, we have, we have meaning and purpose in our life as Christians, as disciples. So, all right, now let's go back and consider verse, chapter 12, verse 3 again and focus on the words where he says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. We've got to do that, okay? We need to do that this morning. I love, uh, last week I quoted you for you from J.B. Phillips' uh, old paraphrase um, where it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And he says, don't let the world squeeze you into his mold, right? Well, he has an interesting way of putting these words, do not think of yourself more highly. He puts it this way, don't cherish exaggerated ideas of your own importance, right? right? And so he's like, listen, preacher, don't believe your own press clippings, right? Or how many people like your podcast? Don't believe it, right? It can go where? Well, it can go to our heads, right? It really can. And so honestly, Paul, we have to ask ourselves, what are you getting at here, Paul? Why would you go from like, this is who you are, like your, your identity, which is awesome. What, why do you have to go here? Well, the reason is, is because Paul knows a thing or two about this problem, doesn't he? He does. And so look again at verses, the verse 3 where it says, at the beginning he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. That's interesting because he, he's referring to something. And so you'll all remember that before meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul had a pretty impressive CV, didn't he? <laughs> like, he had, a, he had a number of PhDs beside his name. Pharisee, the Pharisees. He, I mean, he was a Hebrew of the... He was, he was a leader, a dynamic, philosophical, and theological leader. And he was commissioned to go and capture some people of the way and bring them back to Jerusalem and have them put to death. So he had this really impressive CV. But after faith in Christ, how does he describe that CV? Well, he uses an interesting... <laughs> saying where he calls them filthy rags, which sounds really humble, right? I mean, it does. It is humble. He's saying they're nothing compared to the riches that I have in Christ Jesus. Right? However, look at what he confesses to the church in Corinth a little, a little while later. He says this. So, <laughs> this is a confession. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, all of the things that Jesus has been giving to him, he, he could have sat there and went, well, Jesus obviously thinks I'm more important than anyone else. Look, he's talking to me. He's giving me all of these revelations, telling me to write these things and go and do these things. A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. It's pretty strong language, right? He goes on and says... Three times, <laughs> three times I pleaded with God, please take this away from me. I do that with back pain. Amen? <laughs> three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But look what he said to me. My grace is sufficient for you, right? 
for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So again, back to 12.3, that's why he opens with that. So this is a key caveat that Paul is putting forward to the church in Rome, and I believe to us, obviously, by extension here today, because what he will now show us is how we disciple one another in the church. That's what he wants to show us. In the body of Christ, and in doing that, there's no room he wants to get across to us for pride. Pride of role, pride of office, pride of anything. There's no room for that, is what he wants us to understand. So this is Paul's preface for what he's about to say related to the exercising of spiritual gifts in the body of Christ, in the church. This is the plural, isn't the you and me. He wants us to know that these gifts are for the benefit, look, of the whole body and not our own personal desire to be seen by others as more important than anyone else in the body or the family. So what we see next is key to our understanding of actually discipleship. It's absolutely key. We began with last week what I called and showed you this morning is the vertical, the being one. Now we move to this, the horizontal, the together life in the body of Christ in the church where we make disciples who make disciples. And it begins right here. It begins right here in this room today and on days like this in the church. It has been said before that the Christian life, listen, is not a solo journey. There are still people, maybe some of you, who who actually think that, no, that's that's okay. It can be a solo journey. Just me and Jesus, right? I don't have to participate in a local body, a local church. I don't have to do those kind of things. Oh, okay. I'm me and Jesus. It's a solo journey. It's also true this. It's not, by the way. (laughs) This is also true. We cannot be our true selves by ourselves. You cannot be your true disciple identity by yourself. This is required. This is required. And so Paul goes on in verses 4 and 5 and tells us this. Four. Just as each of us has one body and many members, here you go, you biology students, and these members do not all have the same function, so we in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Just preach that one verse for a while. That one verse for a while. So there are many metaphors. Most of you know that if you're reading your Bibles or been listening to preachers tell you about these things. There are many metaphors uh, to describe the church in Scripture. Um, As regular members of the Rock Church or attenders over the years, you will have heard me say many times, the church is not a building, a place, or an event. It's not a building, place, or an event. It is us. It is us. We are the church. The church is also a family. Right? We are the children of God. We're, and when the whole idea of baptism is you're, you're being named. You're being baptized into the name of the Father, which means you're a child of God. You're baptized in the name of Jesus, which means you're a, a servant of who? You're King Jesus. And then you're baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit to what? To go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here we go, make disciples who make disciples. And so we are this. We are this family now and for eternity. And so one of the things I like to say often is you should probably just take a look around at the end of the service not right now, but at the end of the service, and just look around at the people in this room, and all of those people in this room, I pray all of you are, children of God and in Christ, these are the people you're going to spend the rest of eternity with. 
So get to like them now. Okay? Okay? It's going to be a long time. Okay? It is, but it's great. So we might place a higher value on certain aspects of our body, but we appreciate all of them. You don't realize how much you appreciate your big toe or, or any part of your body until it isn't working right. Right? You realize, I really need that silly thing. <laughs> that's how we feel about our physical bodies. But the truth is, is that's exactly how we're supposed to feel about each other in the body of Christ. The key to it for us to see here in Paul's verse here is, is how he compares our physical with being in Christ. In this body here, we need to see that, listen, all of us in Christ make one body, right? And that each member belongs to look carefully at the, the words here, to the other. We belong to one another. So listen, very, very simple. We're going to get into this a little bit more. I know it's challenging, but when you're not here, we're not whole. When you're not here, you're not whole. This is the way he planned it. I'm just the mailman. This is the way God planned it, and for our good. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yes. Well, that's actually one of the reasons in this particular passage. You're going to love this, some of you. This is one of the places where we refer to membership in the local church. <laughs> I remember years ago, I've told people this story many times. You know, every church that Janice and I started going to when I first became a Christian, we go, well, you need to become members. And we're going, where's that in the Bible? Right? Some of them couldn't really show us that, right, very well. But then we had one pastor in, in North Langley at one point. Uh, man, he was such a great guy. Pastor Bowie. And I asked that question because, you know, he wanted us to become members. And I went, well, and, well, he went, well, Glenn, let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, Right? And, and, and so listen, some of you, some of people look at it, and here's the weird thing. Like, we as a church, we actually have a covenant agreement. We have membership classes. We ask you to come to the membership class. We teach about membership, and then we ask you to sign a covenant agreement with us, guaranteed. That's not in the Bible, right? Neither is a marriage certificate, but we sign them, right? Why are we doing that? Ask yourself the question. I'm going to answer it for you. Why do we do that? Because we're trying to disciple you. That's why we're doing it. It's the primary reason why we're asking you to become a member in the church. It's because we want to disciple you and have you see yourself as part of one body and that you are needed here. You're needed here. Your gifts, your talent, and your treasure are needed here in this church. We belong to each other. And so you and I need to be here. He goes on to say this in verse 6. <laughs> i got to remember yeah, back, there we go. We have, this is interesting, different gifts according to the grace of God given to each one of us. We have different gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. So now, look, as we're going to dive into these gifts, we're only going to spend a little bit of time on them. I'm not going to spend a lot of time describing every gift in detail, what they all look like. That we can do. You can go online and look at our gifts of, the, gifts of God series, which we went through all of that. But suffice to say, we need to see this. We dive into this this morning to cover a couple of things first. First, let's remember verse 3 and not be thinking more highly of ourselves or, listen, coveting gifts based on how we want to be seen by others. None of you would be guilty of that, right? None of us would be guilty of that, right? 
we need to remember when we just read, not all have the same function, but all are needed, are necessary, are wanted in the body of Christ. I mean, a simple illustration would be our worship teams, right? Today we had a small worship team. Oftentimes we have very large worship teams, but the same thing is there. Some people are called and gifted with a voice. I'm not. You don't want me leading worship, okay? In the band that I played in back in high school, rock and roll band, I was a drummer. They gave me a gooseneck mic, and one day I found out that the guy on the board had me on mute all the time. (laughs) Do you know why? I can only sing a falsetto. I'm terrible, okay? I can play guitar. I can play drums. But listen, some people are gifted as the leader. They have a vocal talent. They have a a gift of being able to welcome people and invite people into worship. They can play an instrument. They can guide a band. But listen, here's the beauty. Their gift is being used amongst the other gifts, and then the whole thing as a package is what? Beautiful. It's a blessing to the church. But some have specific gifts, and that's important for us to see. That said, all members of the team, as I said, produce this beautiful gift. And yet some of us feel like, well, some of us feel like if I can't be a leader, if I can't be an upfront person, (laughs) well, then I'm just not that important. Number one, that's not true, obviously. And number two, really be careful what you wish for. Speaking as a guy who's upfront, be careful what you wish for. Be careful, okay? So he goes on and says this in verses 7 and 8. If it is serving, then serve. If it is serving, let me repeat that, then serve. Some people come to me and go, I don't know what my gifts are. I have no idea what my gifts are. You're calling me to, you know, use my gifts on Sunday in the church, and I don't know what they are. And I'm like, serve somewhere. Just start serving. Even in the most, what you might think is lowly of places. Because you know what? You'll figure it out. It'll become obvious to others as you disciple them, as they disciple you in service together, what your gift might be. That's how it starts, actually. If it is teaching, then look, teach. We need Sunday school teachers. Is that beneath some of you? Visitors, you can come back next week. We need Sunday school. We need more, okay? (laughs) We would love you to come back, all right? Really, we would. If it is to encourage, some of you have an incredible gift of encouragement. I know my wife does. I know many of you do. Then encourage people. Where? Just on the street? Well, sure, you could do that. This is a body thing. This is a body thing. Do it here. It's needed. If it is giving, then give generously. This isn't about your, your monthly tithe or your giving to the local church. This is, this is people who have a gift to actually give way beyond that. And listen, here's something you need to understand. The people who have that gift aren't necessarily wealthy. It isn't, well, I can give more than others, and this is my gift because I make $300,000 a year. No. It's people who make maybe 50, 60, 70, but are giving a double tithe, a triple tithe. You know what? People do that. In our church, there are people who do that. We are thankful for you. Amen? That's generosity. If it is to lead, do it diligently. Listen, leadership Leadership requires diligence. Why? Because you're under a microscope when you're trying to lead people. You get criticized all the time when you try to lead people, especially sheep. I love you. We love you. Okay, come on. The last is beautiful. 
If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Mercy gifts, you know, people who help the poor, help the aged, help, you know, it can, it can feel like a real burden. And the point here is put a smile on your face. If you've been given the gift of mercy, you should be doing it with a smile on your face, cheerfully. So what have we got here? Well, first of all, this is not an exhaustive list of gifts. Again, we have a series online called The Gifts of God. It it speaks about the gifts in Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, shepherds, teachers, and then all of the other wonderful spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. Some of you really love those, you know, speaking in tongues and stuff like that. Not going there this morning. Okay. But each of these gifts that Jesus gives to the church are needed in order for us, listen, to walk, uh, pardon me, to grow in our faith and walk with Jesus Christ. None is more important than any of the others. Some people, as I said already, look at serving and they think, well, you know, that's, what, what, what are you asking me to do? Are you asking me to like wait on tables? To like be part of cafe? Be really careful, guys. Cafe's awesome, isn't it? Why? Because people serve you and serve us. But here's the thing. Every single gift that is described here is serving. What I'm doing here on Sunday morning is just one aspect of the church. It's just one aspect. I do this for 45 minutes, you hope, on a Sunday morning, right? But yeah, do I feel called to it? Yes. Do I feel God has gifted me a little bit in it? Yes, I do. But what am I doing? I'm serving the body. I'm serving you. I'm serving our church. Many others who take this role on do that too. And so we all need to see this as an act of service. So in conclusion, I want to move to that with you this morning. The point of last week and today then is about be one and make one, is about how in you and I, how we as a church fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ has given to us. Our mission statement as a church, you all know it who are regular attenders of the rock, is this, making Jesus known in a world that really doesn't know the true Jesus. By making disciples who make disciples. Every decision that we make as a church, what ministry we're going to do, why we purchase this building downtown, in the core, on the street, and worship here is about making Jesus known and by making disciples who make disciples. Since we planted the church um, 14 years ago, we've been calling members of the Rock Church to only three things, really only to three things. And I'm going to repeat them for you this morning. Actually, I'll put them up on screen. I think we've got them. Uh, Yeah. This is what discipleship looks at the Rock Church. Number one, we call every regular attender, member of the Rock Church, to faithfully, faithfully attend Sunday gatherings. The word faithfully is really important. Some people look at that and they go, oh, here you go. Right? Yeah. If I'm not coming to church regularly, I'm not a good Christian. Just please re- rehash what we've talked about this morning over in your mind, okay? Faithfully simply means as often as possible. Really? That's what faithfully means. Some of you work shift work. So, Janice, for the first seven years of our planting of this rock church, she's a cardiac care nurse at St. Paul's. She, she was full-time. She would be able to trade some of her, her shifts that were on Sundays. Sometimes she couldn't. Bad pastor's wife. No. Faithfully attend. Secondly, faithfully attend missional community group. 
And finally, I'm going to put it up on screen, faithfully give and serve. Look, why, why do we highlight these things? Why are we doing this? Are we trying to put demands on you? Are we trying to, like, limit you and, and your ability to be able to, you know, enjoy? No. If there's powder in January and you've been coming faithfully to church and friends of yours want to go on Sunday morning, God bless you. But faithfully attend. Missional community group is super important. Why? Why, why are we doing this? Why, are, why those three things? Why? We are trying to disciple you, <laughs> and we're, we're wanting to teach you to disciple others. So we're calling you to love one another, to be together, and to do that as much as possible. That's how you grow. That's how we grow. That's how we bear much fruit. And so that's the reason why we do things. And I want to mention this this morning because some of you might be wondering, hey, hold on a sec. We are, as a church, so thankful for all of you who practice those things well. You know what I've seen in the last 14 years in our church family? Those who practice these things well, both who are still here with us and those who've moved on, they're bearing much fruit in their own lives, the fruit of the Spirit, and in the way that they are making disciples, who make disciples in the churches they now go to. So it's a beautiful thing. Paul concludes with these words, which I'll put on screen for you this morning. Love must be sincere. Is the church... Are Christians sometimes hard to love? Come on. Am I? We are. You're going to be with me. (laughs) It needs to be sincere, which means we love because we've been loved. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. I don't know how many times my wife has said this to me, so I'll repeat it to you because it's true. Sometimes when you're serving the body, serving the church, it's like, and my wife likes to remind me, you're serving Jesus by serving them, right? And it does sort of help. It does. It really does. He concludes with this, and I want you to see in these words that I've highlighted, is this not the fruit of the Spirit? He concludes with, Be joyful, love joy, peace, patient in affliction, faithfulness in prayer. And then, I love these words, share with the Lord's people who are in need. First and foremost, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And then, practice hospitality. Talk about discipleship. That's a great way for us to be missional and make disciples who make disciples this summer, isn't it? That's what Joey and Jen are doing this afternoon up at their house. They're welcoming you and I, the family of God, the body of Christ, into their home. They're being hospitable. Maybe we should spend this summer doing that. I know we, we take breaks from our missional community groups. This is a really good opportunity this summer to invite people into your home. Invite men and women at the Rock Church that you don't get together with every week to come into your home and bless them. Provide for one another as anyone is need. And listen, while we're doing that, invite your neighbors in the neighborhood. Yes, the neighbors, by the way, are the people right next door and across the street to come with your body, with your family, and see the body of Christ in action. It's discipleship. Be one, make one. Pray with me, would you? Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, really all you've done 
and you continue to do for us and what, you, what your plans are for us for the future and for your world and kingdom. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that we can trust you with our whole lives. Lord, we, we literally are trusting you right now for every breath and for every heartbeat. And so, Lord, I, I just pray. I pray over our body here this morning for those with us this morning, those who will, are watching online this morning or who will watch later or listen later. Lord, would you, would you, uh, would you give us a really a, a beautiful heart for one another this summer? Lord, I know it's, it's part of who we are. I really do. But, Lord, we just pray that you would just fan a new flame on that. Lord, I pray for the vertical relationship in my own life, but also in the life of every one of my brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning, that daily, Lord, we would yoke ourselves to you and you would continue to teach us and guide us and lead us. And then, Lord, I pray that every one of us would feel this, this, this not a burden, but this joy to be faithful to one another and to see one another as our, our first priority at least once a week to gather together, to bring our gifts of service to build up the body of Christ, to build up one another, to actually show each other that we love one another just by showing up. That's where it starts. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for this, this time in your word this morning. I just pray you would bless us from it. In your worthy name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.